Welcome to Equipping Christian Leaders, a podcast resource from Entrust. Entrust's calling is to multiply leaders for multiplying churches. Find us at www.entrust4.org. We are back with the third and final installment of my conversation with Dr. Scott Klingsmith, Assistant Professor of Intercultural Studies at Denver Seminary. Dr. Klingsmith told us last time about some of his students who have gone on to serve the Lord in various capacities. I asked him to tell us more about just one of those students. Now, you know, you did mention the, the gentleman in Southeast Asia, and he's developing a training program. Do you suppose, is he incorporating elements of formal and non-formal learning in this program he's developing? Yeah, he definitely is. Mm-hmm. Um, these are, these are, he's working with pastors who are in pastoral ministry, uh, but who have really not had access to any kind of training. And so finding ways to, uh, to equip them in their own contexts, uh, finding uh, materials that are appropriate both for their education level as well as uh, for their cultural context and uh, trying to integrate those things as much as possible. Um, Yeah, fun to watch. And it's interesting, isn't it, that in in much of the world, uh, the way a person becomes a pastor is almost opposite of how it happens in the West. People become a believer and suddenly they're a pastor and they haven't yet gone to the many years of theological training like we often experience in the West before we step into that pastoral role. So this is kind of finding people already serving and then coming alongside and making sure they understand or that they're growing in how to do that well. Yeah. Yeah, because oftentimes those are people who um, in their own social settings perhaps are already leaders Mm-hmm. Um, they're people who uh, have networks. They're uh, they're engaged in pastoral ministry, but have, have really have never had access to um, discipling materials or or other kinds of theological training. And so, uh, they're the natural uh, target, in a sense, for uh, theological education because they're the ones that are actually doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes, and, and I'll say this is, a, again, sometimes a disadvantage of schools, is that um, those that come to school are the ones who are able to uproot and go someplace and have three or four years of their life uh, dedicated to study, but who don't have uh, a particular standing in the church. And so they may come out with a degree of some kind, but uh, they don't. There's not really a place for them. Um, that that the churches want to be led or are led by uh, more mature elders, um, who who may actually feel threatened by young people who have this training. Uh, sometimes the the uh, young people, um, given the giving them the benefit of the doubt with good intentions uh, can cause problems because they end up correcting their elders and um, showing them all the ways that they're studying the Bible wrong or they're preaching wrong or their theology is deficient yeah. or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And, and so they come out with 
with good academic training, but end up doing quite a bit of damage in the church. Mm-hmm. So, so it's always the question, who is the, the most appropriate uh, person to be trained, um, both in the, in the moment, but also for the future? Mm-hmm. Yes, that does raise a whole lot of questions. <laughs> and, uh, and, a, and a question that, that if you are doing that training to determine who are we going to train here, and then who do we turn away or, or do you ever have to make that decision? Like, I'm sorry, Mr. So-and-so, we don't feel you're the right candidate for this training. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question because in, in many ways, that's, that's really a decision that the church needs to make rather than, than whatever institution it is. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, schools, often the, the people that come are self-selected. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... It may be people that that the church has sent, has seen the, the value and the potential for, and they say, yeah, we want you to get more training, and then we want you to come back and um, use that in our context. But oftentimes it's people that, um, you know, feel some kind of a, a calling themselves that uh, may or may not be uh, integral to a church. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Um, so the, the, the more that the church is engaged in that process, I think the better off it's going to be. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're, we're getting closer to our end of our time here. I think I have about two more questions for you, maybe. Um, okay. You know, if someone is, a, is, is training leaders right now or would like to be involved in training leaders for the local church, any resources that you would recommend? How do you become involved in equipping leaders for churches, whether, wherever that may be, what are some, are, way, are ways to learn how to do that? Yeah. I mean, there's resources at so many different levels. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, at one level, just the variety of textbooks in theology and biblical studies and, and any kind of uh, discipline of uh, Christian ministry. Um, Obviously, here we're, uh, we're overloaded. Um, I get academic catalogs all the time, and, and just the number of courses in my own, or books in my own discipline is way more than I can even keep up with. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, in most of the rest of the world, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if, if they're able to find, find some kind of a training program, oftentimes a, a poor one is better than nothing. Um, but in terms of uh, developing training programs, uh, there are some resources that were particularly developed uh, out of the Missions Commission of the World Evangelical Alliance uh, in the 1990s. And uh, there's a, a series of three or four books that really focus on uh, developing training programs. Uh, so they they um, they talk about a, really a whole process of of uh, talking to stakeholders, finding out from people uh, in the target population what are, what are the needs and what are the resources that are already available and how how do you bring those together? Um, and so um, a book by uh, Robert Ferris, for instance, who uh, taught for years at uh, Columbia uh, Bible College. Um, he and a, a series of colleagues have 
uh, develop these books that really help somebody walk step by step through the process of developing uh, a training program of whatever kind. So how might a person um, access or find a list of some of those good books that you're referencing? I think they're probably still available. World Evangelical Alliance Missions Commission. um, And I think there's probably a link on, on materials. Yeah, we'll look for that website and maybe give that out. That might be a good place to go for some more information or ideas on that. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I've we've kind of wandered here, hither and yon in this conversation, but anything else that comes to mind to you, Scott, that you would just like to say about um, the need for formal or non-formal Christian education in the world today or anything else you just would like to say? Well, I, I think I just want to affirm the, the value of of both kinds of training. They, you know, as you've said, they they have their strengths and their weaknesses. Uh, I I think they are coming together in many ways and uh, are able to enrich each other. Um, schools, at least in some places, are incorporating more and more of the methodology of non formal. And I think that's a, a real positive thing. Um, that's that's not true in many places of the world. Um, in many places, there still is a very um, hierarchical and kind of authoritarian approach to, to teaching, that the teacher is the expert and the, the job of the student is just to write down everything the teacher says and memorize it. Um, but to the extent that um, discussion and engagement and um, an integration of life, ministry, and uh, education happens, I think that that's, um, that's the ideal, mm-hmm. and that um, God's people can be better equipped that way, that uh, they can be engaged in meeting the needs of the world in a variety of ways as they understand more and more who God is, mm-hmm. and uh, learn how to how to integrate that understanding with their life and ministry. Uh, so, so I, I affirm the the value of that, and I hope that that happens more and more. Uh, you know, in all places, and the the gospel because of that will expand into places where it's never been, and that um, God's people will engage the needs of the world in in uh, the most effective possible ways. Amen. That's the ultimate goal. Absolutely. I agree. Thank you so much, Dr. Scott Klingsmith, for your time and sharing with us on this podcast and uh, blessings on your ongoing investment in the future leaders of the church where you are at Denver Seminary. Well, thank you very much. It's fun to think about these things. I hope it's been interesting for you, too, to think together with Dr. Klingsmith and me about formal and non-formal Christian leadership training. I do want to point out some resources that Dr. Klingsmith mentioned. He talked about the organization and website, the World Evangelical Alliance Mission Commission. Their website is weamc.global. That's W-E-A-M-C dot global for World Evangelical Alliance Mission Commission. That site is just full of content that I think you'll find really valuable. And I especially want to point out one book 
The book is called Establishing Ministry Training, a Manual for Program Developers. It's edited by Dr. Robert W. Ferris, published in 2000, and the whole book is available for free download at the website. Okay, I've got your attention now. Again, that website is weamc.global, and then you can go to slash resources slash books to find that book by Dr. Robert W. Ferris, Establishing Ministry Training, a Manual for Program Developers. I must point out, by the way, that Dr. Ferris is from Columbia International University in South Carolina, which I'm proud to say is my Bible college alma mater. Now, because Entrust loves to encourage learning through the use of questions, here's a question for you today to think about and maybe jot down some thoughts. The question is this, how would you define formal and non-formal training to someone who's new to those concepts? See if you can write a definition of formal and non-formal training. I bet you'll start noticing that both types of learning are happening in your life just about every day. Thank you so much for joining me on Equipping Christian Leaders from Entrust, and do come back next time when we'll start a new series about the big question of why train leaders?